not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Rez. It is good to be worshiping with you once again on this Lord's Day, this Sunday, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. If you are new here, and by the way, if there's not any seats in the back, we have a lot, I know it's scary, but we have lots of seats in the front here, so if, you, you know, if you're coming in and you don't have a seat, join us in the front here. Uh, if you're new here, though, we would love to just extend a special welcome to you. Uh, if this is your first time worshiping with us, we're so glad you're with us. We would love to connect with you after the service is over. Uh, it is an exciting Sunday here at Res because we finally get to welcome the Flanagan family. If you guys want to just raise your hands. Flanagan family is finally with us. We have Ryan, Melissa, Lily, Liam, and Noel with us, uh, and, their, and Ryan's parents as well with us this morning. Uh, they will be joining us on staff in the coming weeks, uh, and, and so they're taking a few weeks to kind of get unpacked. Uh, so, but we will be having some time to celebrate uh, uh, them today. So after the service, we're going to have a little reception with some donuts, so all your kids get excited. We got donuts today. And then also tonight at Stout House, we're going to have a little reception for them as well, which we'll announce a little bit later. But we're just so excited to have you with us. Um, it's been a long time coming. We've known about this for a while. Uh, so it's good to have you worshiping with us this morning. Uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, we celebrated Baptism Sunday. And we had the opportunity not only to celebrate the five baptisms during the service, but if you weren't, like if you kind of left early, you might not have known that we actually had two more people come up and say, we want to be baptized. So after the service was over, we just kind of gathered whoever was with us. Uh, and we baptized these two children. It was wonderful. Um, so when we say we will baptize you on the spot, we're not joking. Uh, it's, it's always, a, 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 I love baptism Sundays. But uh, we, today we are um, going to be continuing in on our series uh, in the Gospel of Luke as we journey through ordinary time together. Yesterday in the life of the church, this is just kind of a, a quick note, um, we had the Feast of the Transfiguration Every August 6th, we celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration. So you'll notice the Transfiguration icon up here on the side. Uh, but, uh, and if you remember the Feast of the F Transfiguration, it's this incredible moment in the Gospels on, the Mount, of, on Mount Tabor where uh, Jesus appeared in glorious splendor along with Moses and Elijah to speak of what? His departure. Jesus spoke with Moses and Elijah about his departure. And then as soon after that, at least in the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus set, setting his face to Jerusalem. And that's where we find ourselves today, is on this road to Jerusalem as we continue in the Gospel of Luke. And from our lectionary readings this morning, immediately a few themes, I think, jump out as we're on this journey to Jerusalem that I want to explore with us together. First, we have the story of Abram and Sarai. In Genesis, whom God had promised would be the means for which he would bless the nations of the earth. Through Abram and Sarai's offering would come the people of God, and God would bless the whole world through this people. But some time had passed now in this, in this story in Genesis, the story of Abram and Sarai. Some time had passed, and they still had not gotten pregnant yet. And so we get this account in chapter 15 in our lectionary readings where Abram is interacting with God and he starts to doubt this promise of offspring, of a child. 
He says, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. God's first words to Abram in this account are really simple. He just says, fear not, Abram. Fear not. I am your shield. Do not be afraid, for I am still with you as I promised I would be. And then God takes Abram out to view this, the, night sky. You know, the night sky. You know the story, right? That he takes Abram out and to number the stars and say, so, so, so shall your offspring be. God invites in this account, in the midst of the fear that Abram has, this doubt that he has, God invites Abram to trust him. And it won't be the last time that God invites Abram to trust him in his life. Our psalm reading for today from the lectionary, our psalm reading has a similar feel to it. It's almost as if Abram was writing this psalm in my mind. He could have written this as he and Sarah were struggling with doubt. In verse 5 it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word is my trust. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. And then Psalm 130 closes with this simple plea to the people of Israel. It says, trust in the Lord. Trust in God. The psalmist's waiting is marked by this deep and abiding trust that God will actually follow through on his promises. So this theme that kind of keeps emerging for me as I'm reading both Genesis and the psalm, psalm for today is the theme of fear and trust. If we want to follow Jesus well in our lives and in this world that we live in, we have to reckon with these two realities in our lives. Because whether we realize it or not, fear is one of the biggest motivators for how people live their lives and in this world. How we make decisions, right? Fear is such a huge motivator. Fear rules our world in so many huge ways. I could count the ways. It's why I often say that one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves whenever we're coming at decisions in life or whenever we're trying to make sense of the world or our life, one of the most important questions to ask ourselves is what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? If you really want to get, at, to get to the heart of what you're wrestling with in life, how you're making sense of the decisions that might be in front of you, this is a great place to start. Just asking this question, what are you afraid of? What is the fear behind the decision? Or what is the fear behind the anxiety that you feel? Friends, if we don't reckon with the fear that exists in our life, that can so often consume us. Sometimes we don't even know it's there, right? Sometimes we don't realize that there's fear behind what we're going through. It will rule our lives. And when fear drives us, if that's the motivating thing in our lives, it can be incredibly hard to trust, to submit our lives to God's care. We see this wrestling between fear and trust in Abram and Sarai's life, don't we? And we see it all over the scriptures. Friends, this, there's a reason why this phrase, fear not, or do not be afraid, is found like over a hundred times in the scriptures. God knows we need to hear it. Because God knows how deeply fear can rule our lives. 
So our first two readings from Genesis and Psalms and the Psalms set the stage, I think, for Luke and this theme of fear and trust. And what do we get immediately off the bat in our gospel reading from this morning? Fear not, little flock. Fear not. Jesus just got done talking about how much fear and anxiety can rule our lives. He knows this. In our, the passage leading up to our reading from today, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what clothes you will put on. Jesus here names one of the ways in which fear can find its way into our lives. In this case, he's talking about security. The food that we eat, the clothes that we put on, our wealth and our possessions. Jesus names this because he knows how much security How much wealth can end up being a source of fear for us. So this is the context of our passage this morning, which starts in verse 32 of chapter chapter 12. Let me just read this uh, section again uh, briefly. It says, this is where we start. Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Fear not, little flock. Notice what God promises here in the face of anxiety and fear about security it's the kingdom. God promises to give his kingdom. To his disciples. And, he div- and then he invites them to trust him. Trust me with your security, he says. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. That is the kingdom. Jesus invites us to trust him by becoming a generous people. Generous in our giving, in our, hospita- in our serving, in our giving of our gifts. Because we entrust ourselves to a generous God. I've had the privilege of of working in the past with our bishop, Bishop Todd, and I've always been struck by a posture that he always takes when making big decisions about the diocese. He would always ask the question, is this a win for the kingdom of God? Is this a win for the kingdom? Not, is this going to benefit me or my diocese in some way? Not, is this going to increase my own influence or prestige in the world. But is this a win for the kingdom? And I hear this same posture in our passage for today. Jesus is calling us out of fear and into this posture where we see our wealth and our possessions in light of the kingdom of God. How can we use our resources, all that God has given us for the kingdom? How can they be seen as, is this a win, a win for the kingdom? Whereas I've seen this posture in our own community, in all the ways that you all have been generous for the sake of the kingdom, the ways you've given up your time, your resources, your gifts, your money, all with the kingdom of God in view. I see it in the decisions that you make to host a table group in your home or to buy a big dining room table. To offer hospitality to your neighbors or in the ways that you sustain our community financially with your tithes and offerings. All of these and so many other ways. I could go on and on and on 
about the ways in which we move away from fear and into trust. As we trust in the Father who gives his kingdom to us. And finally, we come to the last section of our passage from Luke for today. And in this section of our reading, there's another theme that I think kind of gets teased out here that runs from Genesis through Psalm 130 into our reading for today. And that is the theme of waiting. Abraham, Abram's and Sarai's story is a story of waiting for God's promises, right? Even into old age for them, they waited for God's promise to become a reality. And in Psalm 130, this psalm is all about waiting. Out of the deep have I called unto you, my soul waits for the Lord. And this section in Luke, the second part of our gospel reading for this morning, is all about waiting as well. Waiting and watching for Jesus and his kingdom. Stay dressed for action, it says, and keep your lamps burning. Jesus' call here is a call to be ready for Jesus and his kingdom to come into our worlds. But the nature of our waiting here is, is what is cru- crucial in the text. It's not just the waiting itself, but how we wait. That's what's so important here. We can either wait in fear and allow fear to dictate the way in which we wait for Jesus in our world today, or we can wait by entrusting ourselves to the promise that the Father desires to give his kingdom away. Jesus here gives his disciples two depictions of his return. I don't know if you remember it in the text, but you can go home and read it. There's two depictions of his return, of the Son of Man coming to this world. One, the first one is, actually it's the second one. I want to bring this one up first. The second depiction of this is Jesus coming like a thief in the night. The Son of Man coming like a thief in the night. And we, in this little depiction, are the masters of the house. We are the masters of the house in this second depiction. If our lives are ruled by fear, it's not hard to imagine that we have this view of God as a thief, right? Our main concern in life would be that someone is coming to steal something away from us. Even our waiting for God can be ruled by fear. The second depiction, which is actually the first one in our, in our passage for this morning, is one of a master who comes home from a wedding feast. But this is no ordinary master. Not in this story. Jesus' depiction here of the master who returns from the, from the wedding feast would have been like almost incomprehensible to his hearers, to the disciples. And this is the good news that we proclaim today. That the master in this part of the story comes not to be served, but to serve. Verse 37, it says, Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have his servants recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. Do you know, not know how radical that would have sounded to the disciples? It's like that show, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but that show Undercover Boss, have you all seen that show? Where the CEO of the company disguises himself and takes the, 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 the place of a lowly uh, employee at his company, his or her company. This is kind of like what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's becoming the ultimate like ult, undercover boss, although he doesn't disguise himself. He's like, 
I'm ready to be the, low, the lowest of the low here. I'm coming to serve. In this depiction of the coming of the Son of Man, the nature of the servants waiting is marked by trust and readiness because they know the goodness and the character of the one who's coming. Not like the thief in the night. Jesus' coming in our midst is a coming to lay down his life, to serve the servants. Or as Chris Green puts it, only the true Lord of only the true Lord is the servant of all. Thus the incarnation is the abolition of mastery. This is good news. This is the good news of the kingdom that our waiting isn't marked by a constant fear that a thief is coming to steal things away from us. Our waiting is marked by a vocation as servants who have entrusted ourselves to the one who is the servant of all. This is how we wait and watch and live in light of the kingdom. In light of the crucified and resurrected and ascended Jesus who reminds us again and again that we don't have to be afraid. As you think about your life as you have it today, I wonder how you would answer the question, what are you afraid of? What fears occupy your minds and your hearts? Today our scripture and text invite us to submit those fears to God. To the God who proclaims, fear not. I am your shield. I'm the father who desires to give you a kingdom. I am the master who is always and everywhere ready to serve you. We hear this proclaimed every single week when we come to the table. And we hear the words of institution where Jesus proclaims, This is my body given for you. Our God is a God who gives and gives. So you don't have to be afraid anymore. What would it look like, Rez, for our community if we were marked by this Readiness, this waiting, not in a way that's not marked by living in fear, but living in trust. What would it look like if we lived with this deep and abiding trust in the God who gives? What would it look like for us to be the servants here in the story in the Gospel of Luke, always keeping our lamps burning? I imagine it's something like having, this is like a science reference, it's like having a potential energy that's just waiting and waiting to be turned into kinetic energy in the world. We're always called to be ready to serve, to always be ready to open the door to God's kingdom coming into our midst. This is how Jesus is. He's always ready. As we wait for Jesus and his kingdom to come in our midst, let this be our posture of waiting together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're invited to take a moment to be silent before God and to listen to the Spirit continuously. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.